Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. doing this morning? Everybody doing well this morning? You guys alive? You awake? I, I got dressed this morning. I realized I, I didn't wash this shirt to shrink it up, so now I don't know what I am. I don't know if I'm lumberjack. I don't know if I'm west coast. I need a chain. I don't have a man bun. I've got a reverse man bun. I don't know what I'm doing this morning, so pray for me today. Uh, we're going to get into week two of Fixer Upper. Uh, how many of you guys have a, a current Fixer Upper project going on at your house? Anybody? You got? All right, some of you guys do. Uh, when I was first married, we, we were building our first house, and we were going to pick out all the paint colors and all these things. How many of you guys have gone through that? You go through and look at the little paint swatches, and as you're looking at them, it looks fine. So I'm sitting there, you know, first house, never done this before. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that looks like tan. Let's, let's paint it that. And so I handed it to the painter. My house that we were building was right off the highway. So I went to work, started driving back. And as I was driving back, I, the house was supposed to be painted that day. And all of a sudden I saw it. I saw it from a great distance because for some reason, the color I thought was tan turned out to be Pepto-Bismol pink. And the whole house was pink, Barbie pink. And so we repainted it all over again. And how do you, you guys know those little swatches? They don't look the same in the light of the store than they do wherever you need them to be. And so today we're going to be talking about something that we need to bring light to, because if we don't bring light to it, then we may carelessly build something we don't really want. And the thing I'm going to talk about today to fix up our lives and to build up our lives is with our words. And if we don't shed proper light on certain areas like our words and our tongue in our life, then it can end up building some life that we don't really want to even have, and maybe we might not even realize we're doing it. And so at the risk of demonstrating how to carelessly use our words today, I'm going to share with you uh, some of the my favorite bulletin bloopers from a church bulletin. These are like actually printed in church bulletins. And so I've got 10 of them here. These are some of my favorites. Uh, They were printed in a church bulletin, but a blooper. All right. The cost for attending the prayer and fasting conference includes meals. (laughs) Somebody didn't think that one through. Here's another one. The peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to a conflict. (laughs) I like that one. Uh, Next one. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. I think that's supposed to be in our church and community. Next, Gene will be leading a weight management series Wednesday night. She's used the program herself and has been growing like crazy. <laughs> Next one. All right, low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday. Please use the back door. <laughs> During the absence of our pastor, we enjoyed the rare privilege of hearing a good sermon when J.F. Stubbs supplied our pulpit. Our next song is Angels We Have Heard, Get High. That's probably a typo. (laughs) Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use a large double door at the side entrance. Probably going to get some letters on that one. Tuesday at 4 p.m. there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk. Am I saying this from the pulpit? Will please come early. Next one, quickly. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. How many of you guys ever got in trouble with some of your words before? Anybody got in trouble? And so today, I'm going to talk about uh, how to deal with our words and how to build the life that we need to build with our words. And here's the truth that we need to get. Our lives are built by the words we say. 
Now, we don't necessarily think they are because we think that when we say words, yeah, it may have consequences, but it's not really changing our life. But our lives really are built by the words that we say. And I'm going to show you to you in Scripture today. Uh, in fact, when God built the world that we see today, when he finally said, let there be light, he used his words to build the world that we see today. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were seen were not made of things which are visible. So in other words, everything we see was made by a word which was invisible. I want you to know that everything that you experience in your life is ultimately going to be tied back to invisible words that we say. And, and we're going to look at that today. So anybody, your tongue has got you in trouble for. Am I the only one that that's happened to? How many of you guys have ever heard this statement? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Whole years of my life would be silent if I applied this. Because I've battled with this all my life. And here's what I know. That what, when, when I was growing up, my words were a struggle for me because I always had to come back with something. I always had to say something. Always had to come back. And what was a weakness, at the same time, God can take your weakness and turn it into a strength. And so God has taken what was a weakness for me and turned it into, hopefully use it to, to reach people for the kingdom of God. And so, but with our words, we have to be very careful. And James chapter three talks all about this, the whole chapter. We're going to look at verse two, starting at verse two. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Did you hear what he just said there? He's saying, if you can say, if you cannot say stupid things, you're going to be perfect. That's what he's saying. That's how much weight this area is. If you can control this one area of your life, everything else will start to fall into place. He says he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. And if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies. He says, look at ships. Ships are large and they get tossed around by the wind, but they're guided by a little rudder wherever the captain of the ship wants it to go. So also is the tongue. It's a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Has anybody ever set a forest ablaze in your relationships by such a small thing, like a small word, a small conversation? That's what he's talking about here. And then Pastor James here goes on, and he preaches pretty strong in verse 6. He says, and the tongue, it's a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So he's preaching a pretty strong message saying, this is very, very important. We've got to get this right. Why is it important to watch what we say? Because our words, our, our lives are being built by the words that we say. How many of you guys have ever ridden a horse before? James uses this illustration. Uh, sometimes it's great if you're riding a horse, you got a bit in the horse's mouth, you can turn it wherever you want it to go. Uh, one time I was, my dad had a horse in the backyard, and so I decided I'm going to ride this horse. And so I just jump on bareback, what can go wrong? And so I'm just jumping, riding this horse, and I'm galloping it around. Pretty soon we get a pretty good gallop going on, I'm having fun. And all of a sudden the horse stops, but I didn't. And I went about 15 feet, I pick up myself off the ground from my face hitting the dirt. And how many guys know when you do something like that, you kind of look around and make sure nobody saw what was going on. And, but it's, it's true that if we have something to control the horse, then it will affect a positive result. If we don't, it could have negative consequences. So the tongue's a little thing that can cause big problems. Now, I'm going to share a shocking verse in the Bible that I didn't see until a couple years ago. I didn't see the weight of how important this was, okay? It's found in James chapter one, verse 27. Now, many of us are familiar with this verse. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, 
Many of us have heard that, that verse, and in, in fact, in, in, you know, I've been along, around long enough in the Christian, uh, in the church, uh, to know that sometimes we go through waves of different things. And in the 90s, it was the praying through the 1040 window, which the 1040 window is, is the longitude latitude of, of the area that was the most unreached for the gospel. And so that was kind of the big thing in the church. Now it's this scripture here, which it's orphans and widows and, and how important that is. And we can see how important that is. Now, here's the thing that was shocking to me a couple years ago when I saw this. It's like I saw this scripture and the weight of this scripture and how basically it's saying, if you want to really be engaged in some of the things God are doing, then this is part of what that looks like. And in our rush to get to this verse, we stumble over verse 26, which is right before it. And, and James says this. He says, this is shocking to me. He says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. And it's like right there before the other, the, the weighty thing. He's saying, if you don't get your tongue right and your words right, your religion is worthless. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? I mean, can we just take that one scripture? If we were to look at that one scripture, it would carry a lot of weight to it. If we were to actually believe that one scripture, what kind of weight would that carry in our life? That if we don't get our tongue right and our words right and the things we say right, that basically everything we're doing is worthless. And, and so that's what he's saying here. So I want to talk real seriously about three things we got to understand about our tongue because it's so important. Can you guys see the seriousness that James talks about? The first thing is this, my tongue reveals who I am. You see, words are just containers. Words can contain faith, words can contain fear. Words can contain doubt, words can contain discouragement, they can contain joy, but words are just containers. They're filled up with who we are. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, but the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. This is, again, a pretty strong statement, but what he's saying here is, is ultimately who you are inside will make its way outside one way or the other. That what you are, the, the heart that you cultivate, see, the, those words are just a container for who you are. I don't have to spend very much time around you to understand who you are because it's going to come out of your mouth. You may have a, a certain personality about you. You may have a certain perspective about the world. You may have a certain uh, belief system, but it's going to come out of, of your mouth and it's going to reveal who you are. That's what the Bible says. So we have to guard what comes into our heart because what comes into our heart is ultimately going to come out of our mouth. And we have to guard what comes into our heart. Do you know that you have a responsibility to what you listen to, to what you feed on, to what comes into your life? Sometimes we just feel like we're in the, at the mercy of whoever's around us. We're at the mercy of whatever television is telling us. or We're at the mercy of the news. We're at the mercy. But we have a responsibility to guard what comes into our life. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says this, He go, who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. What does that mean there? Have you guys have ever had somebody flirt with you before? Hopefully your spouse, if you're married, that you did that. Hopefully you still do that from time to time, right? Uh, but when somebody flirts with you or flatters you, they're trying to influence your way of thinking about them. And so they may tell you things. Here, here's what he's saying. He's saying some people might flirt with you with their words and tell you things that they think you want to hear. To get to influence you to like them more 
or to not like someone else. Have you ever had that happen before? Boy, I've had that happen all the time. I've participated in that myself. And he says, be careful for one who flatters with the lips. And because people will flirt with, your word, with their words with you to try to influence you to like them. Now, how many of you guys have ever uh, found somebody just gossiping and just talking all this trash to you? And all of a sudden you realize, man, I'm always around this person. And they're always saying something negative about somebody else. And it's like I'm always just taking, I'm their trash can. Years ago, uh, I was, uh, I don't know what came over me, but I was looking out my window uh, and when I lived in town, I was looking out my window and all of a sudden I saw these, these kids coming up and they were drinking some, some drinks or some, you know, whatever they got from Quick Trip or something. And I'm sitting there just watching them walk by and all of a sudden they all just threw their trash in my yard. And I'm normally not like this, but for some reason, I must, I don't know what happened. I burst out the door and I was like, you pick that up right now. And those kids, like deer in the headlights, oh, we're so sorry, sir, we're so sorry. And they picked it up, and I'm like, what came over me? And I, and I thought about that later, and I'm like, you know what? That's how we really need to be in our lives when people start dumping their trash towards us. When people start giving all this gossip, giving all this flattery talk, we need to say, listen, I'm not your garbage can. Go deal with, the per- go deal with God, go deal with the other person, because I have a responsibility to guard what comes in, because here's, here's the thing, unhealthy words are simply a sign of an unhealthy heart. And if you find that your words are unhealthy, you can trace it all the way back to your hearts. And I think sometimes we think this. We think, well, you know, I'm keeping these thoughts in my mind, and and I didn't say it, so it doesn't count. I didn't say it, so it doesn't count. I'm thinking all of these things about this person. I'm thinking all of these things about this situation, but I didn't say it, so it doesn't count. Listen, thoughts are simply unspoken words. They're simply words that have not yet been spoken. And when the pressure comes, and when the crisis comes, and when the strain comes on the relationship, the Bible's true and says eventually what's in your heart will come out. And just because you're restraining it and you think it doesn't matter because I'm not saying it, listen, the Bible's true and says eventually that's going to come out of your mouth. So we have to guard what comes in and cultivate a healthy heart. Now, I've been around people over the years that it's just like, it just seems like they just have a critical spirit about them. You guys know some people like that in your life? Everything is, is, they criticize everything. They've got a negative attitude about them. Everything, it's like armchair quarterback. You could have done this different. You could have done that different. It's like if you come up with an idea, they've got 25 reasons why it won't work already. You guys know somebody like that? Hopefully they're not sitting next to you, okay? (laughs) That'd be, be bad. The Lord gave you patience for that. But somebody just always, I mean, always negative, always critical, always drama, always a problem, always just this heaviness about them. Years ago, I decided I'm just not going to hang out with people like that. You know, last week I talked about the difference between cheerleaders and coaches, and we don't want people all in our life that are always just saying yes, you know, and so sometimes we, we think, well, well, you know, I need to have some people who are critical of me. Well, there's a difference between a coach and somebody who's critical. See, a coach is going to challenge you, and the end result is they're going to lift you higher. But somebody who's critical and negative, they're going to pull you down every time. And I've just, I've just, I'm constantly evaluating, I need to remove myself from that situation. I need to remove my, I need to take a step back. Why? Because it's not creating a healthy heart in me. I love to be challenged and I want people in my life who are going to be coaches and, and, and talk to me and challenge me. But if there's, if there's a, a critical spirit all the time, it's going to create an unhealthy heart in my heart. And I've noticed that some people just end up adopting this as their personality. That they're just, it's just always drama, it's always a crisis, it's always a negative, it's always a critical thing, and that just, they just adopt that, well, that's just who I am. Here, here's what I want to tell you. 
you can be free from that in Jesus Christ. That is not the spirit of Christ on you. That is not the way of God on you. That's not the will of God for your life. You don't have the the spiritual gift of criticism. It's not one of them. And and yet I've seen people adopt this as their personality. I, I love this quote. It said this, if someone paid you 10 cents for every kind word you said about somebody and took away five cents for every negative word you said, would you be rich or poor? I think a lot of us would be bankrupt pretty quick, wouldn't we? Because we've adopted it in our culture. Our tongue reveals who we are. The second thing we've got to understand about our tongue is this. My tongue can destroy what I have. Do you realize that everything you have in this life right now could be destroyed by your tongue? Your relationship with your spouse could be destroyed by your tongue. Your relationship with your kids could be destroyed by your tongue. Your job, you could lose your job because of your tongue. Everything you have right now is connected back to your words. Your relationship with God right now could be destroyed because of your tongue. My tongue can destroy what I have. So the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that, that's a pretty strong statement. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You're like, Pastor Sean, show me an, an example of that in Scripture. And this is one of my favorites in Scripture. It's Elisha. And, uh, and this is just a real practical example. And I'm just saying it for personal reasons. But uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. He went up there from Bethel. And while he was going up, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. And he turned around. I love what he did. It's scriptural. He turned around and he saw them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys up. And he just went on to Mount Carmel. Just calling it a day. Uh, So life and death in the power of the tongue. Some of you guys are uncomfortable with that scripture. It's in the Bible. Read the Bible, okay? (laughs) So I was talking about those spiritual gifts tests. How many of you guys have ever taken a spiritual gifts test? You're trying to figure out what's your spiritual gift and all that stuff. Well, when I was younger, I was trying to figure this out because I, everybody's had these spiritual gifts. I'm, I'm this or I'm that. So I was taking those spiritual gifts tests and, and some people are, are getting like the gift of prophecy and the gift of wisdom and the gift of tongues and the gift of whatever and the gift of whatever. And I'm thinking in my life, this is early on in my life, I'm thinking, I got the gift of arguing. Like, how did I get that one? Because it's like, that's all I could do. That's all. I, and, it, and it comes in real handy when you get married, doesn't it, guys? When you got that spiritual gift. And it's like God saying, you know, hey, you know, it's not good for me to be alone. Here's a wife. Go argue for a while. Like a couple years of my life was that. And and so I realized in my life, that is not a spiritual gift. That is not a a spiritual gift of criticism. It's not a spiritual gift. And I can destroy what I have because of my tongue. And so we have to be careful of that. We have to guard what comes into our life. But we also have to guard what goes out. Can I just tell you a little secret? I don't share everything with my wife. I don't share everything. I don't tell her everything. And you say, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be open? And this is, yeah. Well, here's what I found early on in my marriage. I found that, you know, I'd have somebody offend me that day or somebody do something wrong to me and somebody, you know. And so I'd go home and I'd tell my wife and I'd be like, this person did this and this person did that and this person did this. And then she'd be like, man, well, why would they do that? And we'd be just sitting there talking about how these people did this. I'd go the next day, I'd kind of work it out with God, and I'd kind of forgive them and maybe work it out with them and move on. And then I figured out, well, I worked it out, but she never worked it out. And so she's still sitting there feeling this and this and this about all these other people. And what I had done is I had unknowingly sown into her an offense that she did not need to be a part of. And so now here's what I do. I don't just tell my wife everything, not to hold something back from her, 
but to help guard her heart. Because I don't need to, do you realize that you can gossip with your spouse? See, I think sometimes we think that a spouse is like a gossip-free zone, and we can say whatever we want, and it just does not count. We can talk bad about people. You guys know there's no bubble that's slander-free, gossip-free zone. If it's gossip, it's gossip. And so we, we try to be very careful. I, I don't share everything because she doesn't need to experience these thoughts towards other people just because I had them, and they were unholy thoughts. I've got to work that out before God. Now, that went over so big. I could tell everybody's like, yeah, pastor, let's do that. Yeah. I think it's because we've all wrestled with that before. And, and, and it's because we've got to understand, we've got to guard what comes in and guard what comes out, and I've got to protect, and I've got to even protect my wife from my own offenses. And I don't get to just gossip and just gush about everything. Now, there are times when we'll work it out and I'll need to talk through something and I'll need her advice on something, but I don't need to just go and dump all of my trash on her when I get home from work, do I? And yet many of us are in this habit of doing this and we feel like we're free to talk bad about everyone on the planet to our spouse. It's not a healthy heart for us. It's not a healthy heart. James 3.8 says that the tongue can be a poison. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You say, well, there's no way I can kill somebody with my tongue. How could I kill somebody with my tongue? Here's what I know. You could kill their reputation. You could kill their credibility for other people. You could kill their friendships with other people. You could kill their dreams that they have. You could kill God's will for their life by bringing discouragement and criticism. You could kill a lot of things that's going on in their life you, you can kill a whole lot of things just by your words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, if we had one refrigerator verse, it probably ought to be that around our home, shouldn't it? And if we could get that going on, that we're giving, we're building up, we're not tearing down with our words. We're fixing up, not tearing down around our house, around our spouse, around our kids. How many times have we sown uh, wrong thoughts in our kids because we were talking bad about somebody uh, that we knew in front of them? And we're sowing offense into their heart that ought not be there. We've got to guard what comes out of our mouth. Our lives are built by the words that we say. Number three, my tongue can build the life that I want. This is what James talks about. Our tongue can build the life that we want. In 2004, there was a Japanese scientist who was doing some experiments, and he actually wrote a book called Hidden Messages in the Water or something. It was really, it's kind of controversial. I thought it was interesting, though, to bring up what he did because it's an interesting uh, thought and an interesting picture. But he, he decided to do some experiments. He thought maybe there was a connection between water and, like, our thoughts and emotions and all sorts of things. And so it's kind of a crazy, weird idea. But he took a soundproof room, and he took a glass of water into the soundproof room. And he started to run some experiments, and here's what he did. He and took this one glass of water, and he began to, to say encouraging words and nice words and begin to play good music and show positive pictures to the water. And then he froze the water, and he examined what the water crystals looked like. And then he took another glass of water, took that one out, put another one in, and he began to show, to play like heavy metal music, like harsh music, and he began to like say bad things to the water and curse at the water 
And then he froze the water, and he decided to see what that looked like. And he did all sorts of random tests, and he noticed that when the the water that had positive influence and had positive words and positive things and calming things, it made beautiful pictures like this one that that was captured that's Amazing Grace. Here's one of the water crystals when he played the music Amazing Grace. And then he took another one, and he played like this harsh, heavy metal music, and here's what the water crystals looked like when he played it, when he froze it. And so, again, it's a little controversial. I thought it was an interesting idea, though, because we're made up of, like, what, 60 to 75% water, you know? And so we're absorbing all of these type of negative things and wrong words and all these things. And his suggestion was simply, could it be affecting us? And I don't know if it's affecting us because of how we're made up or not, but I do know that it affects our heart, and I do know that it affects us in a negative way. And so what if your life right now was frozen right now with the words that you've said recently? Would it be a beautiful picture? Or would it be like that second picture? The truth is your life is frozen there because the Bible says that our life is connected to our tongue. That you are, basically everything about your life right now, your your attitude, your commitments that you've made in your life, your reputation that you have right now in your life, your healing in your body or even lack of healing in your body, your, your, uh, all these things, your disip- disposition, your relationships, all these things are a direct result of the, the fruit of the words that you've sown in the past. Where your relationships are right now, they're the fruit of what you've sown in the past. Your reputation, what it is right now, it's the fruit of the words that you've sown in the past. And so James chapter 3, verse 17 through 18 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you don't like the harvest you have in your life right now, I would suggest start to change the words that you're sowing today because you'll start to receive a brand new harvest. You say, how do I build the world that I want to have, the life I want to have by the words I say? The first thing you got to understand is Psalm chapter 37, verse 4 says that he who delights in the Lord, he will have the desires of his heart. How many of you guys know that scripture? Now, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say he who delights in the Lord's stuff will get the desires of his heart. I, I used to interpret this wrongly. Maybe all of you have as well, that it's basically like whatever I desire, the Lord's going to give me. Because of that scripture, you know, if I delight in the Lord, then the Lord's going to give me anything I want. That's not what the scripture says. It says he whose delight is in the Lord will get the desires of his heart. Here's what happens when our delight gets into God. Pretty soon God begins to put his desires in us. So you might say, well, well Sean, how did you know that you were called to do what you're supposed to do? In life, how did you know different things? Did, did you have all of, you know, God speak to you in thundering voices along the way? No. What happened when I was a kid is I started to delight in God. And I started to get close to God. And as I got close to God, pretty soon God began to drop his desires in me to reach other people. And I began to have those desires. And so when I saw those, des- those opportunities, because God's desires in me, I began to pursue those opportunities. And God gave me the desires that he placed in my heart. And so here's what we need to do. If we want to build the life with our tongue, we have to understand we've got to get on the right side of God's will. Because the problem is our words many times are not lining up with God's will. And so in our life, our feelings may say, well, I don't feel forgiven. Is that God's will? Is that, are our words on the right side of God's will? See, God's will says you have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done. You say, well, well they don't deserve to be forgiven. I shouldn't apologize to them even though, and the Bible says, you know what? So peace 
Are your words lining up on the right side of God's will or on the wrong side of God's will? You may say, well, I've, I've, I'm sick. I'm just sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. Well, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you have been healed. And so where are your words at? Are they on this side of God's will or are they on the right side of God's will? You, know, you, you might, you might be, be saying, I've blown it. I can't, I can't make it up. And, and the Bible says that you have been forgiven. You say, I'm bound. The Bible says you have been free. You, you say, I can't handle anymore. And that becomes your words. You're building your world. What does the Bible say? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The question is, where are your words? Do they line up with the will of God or do they line up with your feelings? And when you start to get your desires in God, then your words start to line up with God's will. And when your words line up with God's will, your life starts to get built in the way that you desire because your desire. And here's the ultimate thing. When you get this on the inside and you start seeking after him, pretty soon it doesn't matter what your desires are. Your desire just becomes him. And everything else is just the result of just being in his presence. And so it's not, it's not like we're trying to get God to line up with our words. What we're doing is trying to get our words to line up with God's will. And when our will, God's will lines up with our words and our words line up with his will, then all of a sudden the life that we have starts to get built up. Are you guys catching this this morning? Would you, let me close up with this one thought. If our words are against God's will, we're going to be frustrated in life. And too many people I've seen, their words are on this side of God's will, speaking out words that, that are not lining up with the word of God, not lining up with the will of God. But if you get your words on this side of God's will, and you start to line it up with the word of God and the will of God, then your life starts to bear fruit. Let's all stand up as we get ready to close. Here, here's what, if you'd just bow your heads and close your eyes as we wrap up this morning. Listen, if you're here today, you may be convicted. Listen, this is a message that convicts everybody, okay? This is like a message that it's hard for a pastor to write, okay, because it's like convicting to all of us. But here's what I know, that God's word is true, and that there's grace, and there's new beginnings, and his mercies are new every morning. And if you found that your words have been lining up on the, the feeling side instead of God's will side, and you're seeing the frustration, today can be a brand new beginning for you. You can line up your words with God's will. And, and so I would just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment and take just a moment with God and just say, God, is that me? Have I looked at my life and my words have just not been, my words have been reflecting my heart, but my heart is sick. And Lord, you, you say that you can come in and heal our hearts. You can come in and put a healthy atmosphere in your heart, in my heart. So God, I invite you to, to heal our heart because we want out of the abundance of our heart for our mouth to speak your words, your will, and your way. And Lord, we want the fruit of our life not to be our feelings and, and frustration. We want the fruit of our life to be building something that looks like you. It looks like something you would say and something you would do. Listen, you may be doing a good thing right now in your life, but if your heart is sick doing it, it's almost as if it doesn't count. And, and so God is so much about our hearts all through Scripture. And it seems to be one of the things that we neglect the most. And so would you take just a moment? We've got plenty of time here this morning. Just take just a moment and just allow, allow the Holy Spirit to wash over your heart. Just say, God, you, you can even cry that cry of David in Psalm 51. Just create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Lord, just wash over us today, Lord. 
You make all things new. Today is a brand new day. And Lord, we want to build something in our families and in our lives and in our hearts that looks like you. Listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if, here's one thing we've got to understand, that our words connect us with God just like they connect us with our relationships. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that we'll be saved. You see, even in our coming to God, it's all about the abundance of our heart coming out and confessing something. And so if you're here this morning and something is stirring in your heart right now, something that says, I need to start walking with Jesus, I need to believe in Jesus. Listen, Jesus died on the cross, he took away your sins, he paid the price for your sin. Doesn't matter how big of sin, you can... You think, well, I've done too much to be able to come to God. I've come to him too many times begging my, listen, God is the God of the new. He's the God of second chances and 14th chances and new beginnings. And his grace is more than enough for any sin. He took care of that on the cross and he rose from the dead to give you life. Listen, there, there were five or six people in the first service who, who said yes to Jesus. I need to say yes to Jesus. If you're here in this service, you say, Pastor Sean, that's me. And out of my heart, I'm believing right now that I need to start following Jesus. Maybe I need to come back to the Father's house and start walking with him again, or maybe for the very first time. If that's you, you say, Pastor Sean, would you pray for me? That's me. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth needs to speak that out. Would you just do something and lift up your hand real quick? All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just hold it up just real quick, just real quick. All right, too many to count. And right now, we're going to pray. And maybe you're feeling this in your heart and you don't know the words to say. Let me help you with the words. You supply the meaning and I'll give you some containers to put it in. And we're all going to say it together. Would you guys say it with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for wiping away my sins, and for paying the price. I believe you rose from the dead and that you give me a new life. And I confess that you are my Lord that you're going to be my savior and I'm going to follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name amen Lord I pray that those who have prayed that prayer today that they would understand that everything before this moment doesn't matter it's been washed away by the grace of God and everything from this moment is carried in the grace of God and that today is a brand new beginning the Bible says that the old is gone and that you are a brand new person from today. And Lord, I pray that that revelation would hit them so deep that today is a brand new day and they can walk in your grace and they can walk in your love and that they're one of your kids that's very loved by you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, right up here on the speaker behind the baptism and right over here in the offering box, there's a pamphlet we've got called What's Next. If you would take one of those on your way out, I believe it'd really help you get started on what to do next. Amen. If you guys want to praise God one more time, let's praise him one more time. Fall Fest this weekend. We'd love to see you out there. We'll see you next week. Fixture Upper 3, you're dismissed. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.